0: And he started kindy earlier this year, a little bit later than he normally would have because there was that snap lockdown which shifted everything. But he started kindy. But before that, my wife took it upon herself to plan a playground catch-up with, um, obviously, our son, but also the other kids that were going to be in his class and their parents. And so she arranged everyone to turn. And this happened a couple of times uh, at, a, at a playground where we could come together. And I did not enjoy it at all. The playground with other parents is not my favourite place to be. I am a bit of an awkward dad, but it's not about me, funnily enough. Um, So it served a purpose because our son went and met with these other kids and they had a great time and so the first day of kindy when it did actually arrive, the anxiety level was so low in our household because of what had happened previously, he knew the kids that he was gonna go and see and we felt comfortable and he felt comfortable and and it just worked really well. This extraordinary uh, preemptive act of motherhood where my wife looked ahead weeks in advance and went, I can do something about this to assist our son. I never would have thought of that. Even if I did, I never would have organized that. I'm happy to try and claim credit for it later down the track, but it had nothing to do with me. And I went, wow, what an extraordinary act of of motherhood. And there are other acts that I see in my wife consistently, and that's what we celebrate on this day. But I find myself thinking about what life would be like if we didn't have the means to support our family as we do currently. If we struggled to put enough food on the table, if the income that we earned uh, throughout the weeks that we work wasn't enough to put three meals on the table, wasn't enough to put clothes on the backs of our children, wasn't enough to pay for their education, what kind of impact that would have, what kind of stress level that would put on us as parents and specifically a mother. The stress level to put on a mother when she's not able to provide for her children is so extraordinary that it actually stops her from being able to plan ahead to tomorrow through the next day let alone what life could look like in a few weeks time when your child is about to start something new and you want to assist their mental health journey into that process it stops you from doing that poverty has that impact and there are many mothers that are living in those sorts of environments and I wanted you to introduce wanted to introduce you to Lydia and hear about her story this morning
1: Jadi bagi saya kalau keluarga itu sangat penting karena seluruh terhibur gitu nah. Rambu, ini. Rambu. Gitu. Jadi saya seperti tidak ada apa apanya dari kalau tidak tanpa anak-anak tanpa keluarga begitu macam hampa begitu. Dan itu kalau bagi saya kalau keluarga itu bisa dapat menyalahkan saya. Hmm. Bagaimana saya seorang janda berusaha sendiri eh, untuk hmm, menghidupi anak-anak uh, untuk membeskolahkan anak-anak, bagaimana cara saya harus beli seragam, saya harus berusaha. Bagaimana saya harus menyenangkan anak-anak, begitu jangan sakit hati, begitu. pikirkan anak-anak nanti mereka akan kecewa dengan saya, begitu. Ketika saya tinggalkan orang. Masih uang itu tidak ada gitu. Oh, saya beli ini. Yang pernah yang saya belum bayar. Sedih rasanya bagaimana saya itu. Bapak masih, eh, waktu dulu yang baru meninggal itu, nah rasanya lain sekali gitu, sepi. sedih. saya pikirnya, saya kan tidak bisa mencari uang, masih ada suami sakti, santai gitu, hidupnya saya. I didn't, I punya keinginan itu sehingga saya itu berjuang berusaha ini hidup bagaimana saya mencari untuk buat anak-anak saya karena saya pengen anak-anak saya itu sekolah gitu itu musis motivasi saya saya berjuang bekerja itu karena saya ingin mengsekolahkan anak saya untuk menjadi anak yang berguna gitu saya mengawali kerja sayur di kebun saya kerja sayur tanam kol Saya ini ser kalau di apa pak cgren gitu nah bayam itu setanam dusan itu saya jual itu lah super figure ini Terlalu kecil, maka saya mau, mahu, mau usaha lebih banyak lagi begitu. Kalau saya pinjam, saya usaha kios penyelesaian, mungkin hasil daripada keuntungan daripada itu. Selain begitu saya tambah lagi supaya bisa dan hasil dari itu bisa untuk mencukupi keluarga begitu dan mensekolahkan anak. Berhubungan dengan opportunity tunitim begitu untuk pinjam, saya kasih besar sedikit kios begitu supaya saya usaha dengan usaha ini. Kios yang saya usaha ini oh, dampaknya rasanya tidak tidak kebutuhan hari-hari itu rasanya tidak tidak kurang gitu, hanya ada gitu. Oh, terus ini dampaknya hati saya itu dia terhibur gitu, tidak kayak dulu waktu belum ada kios. Saya selalu kayak ada beban. Beban terus beban beban begitu. Tapi kayak gini dampaknya langsung biar lo pun banyak pemikiran saya beban yang terlalu banyak. Tapi kayaknya tidak ada begitu, gitu itu. Kalau boleh anak saya ini jadi seperti anak di sana yang jadi pegawai yang bisa melihat orang lain. Gitu. Kalau anak-anak saya menjadi anak yang baik, yang berguna bagi keluar dari masyarakat, saya seorang ibu bangga sekali punya anak seperti itu. Walaupun cara apapun tantangan apapun yang saya alami, tetap saya berusaha, karena itu adalah kewajiban saya.
0: beautiful story of uh, well I guess tragedy and difficulty but resilience and the strength of a mother the universal story of motherhood really and we know to bring hope to a household to bring hope to a community to bring hope to a country and ultimately to bring hope to our world it is best to empower mothers. Opportunity International Australia does that by providing small loans for mothers so that they can start a business, put food on the table, send their kids to school, pay the loan back and work their way out of poverty. 98% of all loans are repaid and recycled, so opportunity empowers mothers who, through the process of taking a loan and repaying it, empower other mothers. There's this incredible cycle that happens. An empowered mother is one who educates her children, who, one who sees them grow and develop and give back to the community and, and love their family and become the next generation of leaders. That's what an empowered mother does. There's a story from one of our programs team uh, in visiting some of the work in the field. And as he was walking past, the lady came up to him and said, please, please, can you take my baby? Not that she didn't want her baby, but her breast milk had dried up. And living in deep poverty, she had no way to find another way to feed her child. And so this was her only hope that's disempowerment. That's what poverty does. It takes things away from you and it actually removes your ability to look after your own family. No mother wants that. No mother wants somebody else to feed their family. No mother wants somebody else to look after them. They want an opportunity to do it themselves and then to repay that opportunity so that somebody else can have the exact same chance. And that's what today is about. It's a very different Mother's Day. Not that we're still not celebrating mothers, but we're thinking about how can we empower mothers, not just the ones that are in our lives, but the ones that are in our world that can actually make a huge difference in our world if we just give them an opportunity. So there is a QR code up there and an SMS number that I'm asking you to make a donation this morning to Opportunity International Australia. We work in India and Indonesia $100 is the equivalent of one small loan. Doesn't take much to make a huge difference. And so if you wanna grab the QR code, not with the SafeWA app, the actual camera app on your phone, (laughs) made that mistake the other day, it does not work. (laughs) Or you can SMS mother to 0436 489 I've got a table out in the foyer as well. You can actually talk to a person and we can fill out a form if you'd like. Uh, in the, the Mullaloo campus, uh, my ambassador Karen is there, so she's my representative, so please have a chat to her, but there'll be some information around that you can do the exact same thing. And I want to encourage you to empower a mother this morning. Um, could be a whole loan, could be part of a loan, could be more than one loan, it's up to you. And in doing so, you can actually get one of these small cards that you can give to your mother or to another significant woman in your life to say, on your behalf this morning, I've empowered another mother so that she can look after her children, so that she can make a difference in their life, so that she can develop and grow in her community and become a leader and grow the leaders of the next generation. So make today a very different Mother's Day. Empower mothers through the power of a small loan. Thank you.
2: You know, I absolutely love that as a church, we get to partner with Opportunity International and the incredible work that they're doing uh, in India and Indonesia in the way that, that Kyron described, giving, giving mothers, giving families an opportunity. And you know, there's something in particular I love so much about this picture, that I think fundamentally, God's love is a with and for kind of love, that God is with us and God is for us. And when I see that picture, I, I see for us as an opportunity as a church to be with and for mothers, women, people in, in those, living in those communities just, just impacted where poverty has taken things away. That, that we get to be with and for them by partnering with an organization like Opportunity International. Now, over the last month, we've been leaning into this idea of what does it mean to know, understand, and experience the love of God? And what does it mean to live with that same love shaped by God's love for us? And I love this picture of God's love so much that God has a with us, for us kind of love. And we're invited as followers of God to demonstrate and express that same love, a love that is present and a love that is for, a love that encourages, a love that advocates on behalf. And as a church, again, this is an opportunity that we get to do through Opportunity International. So Kyron mentioned Karen is here with us this morning, and she's in our uh, left side of our auditorium. She's waving with a lot of energy. I love that, Karen. And uh, please go see her after the service if you'd like to to donate in any way. Uh, That would just be an amazing thing. And also, so you're aware, as a church, we give 5% of all of our income here as a church towards what we call our global impact partners. And Opportunity International is one of those partners. So as a church all together as an overflow from your generosity, we're already giving but but I want to encourage you as well to to seek on your in your own life, in your own family, think how could how could we be a part of this individually as well as together as a community? You know it is it is of course it is of course mother's day and uh, we've already mentioned and honored the mothers that are here but there's a, there's a certain picture of of motherhood that I've seen in my life we've been parents now for about 6 years and there's a, a moment that all mothers that all parents have experienced when uh, a child for for my family our kids are still small when the child is engaging with a difficult task any any mothers remember those kind of moments it could be when they're small learning to read or write it could be learning a new skill like like shooting a basketball or kicking a football, whatever it might be, and they get to that point of frustration where the task seems overwhelming. Has anyone experienced that as a parent? Who handled it well? I'll just put my hand down. (laughs) But my wife, she handles it really, really well. And one of the things I love and appreciate so much about my wife, which uh, which just captures the heart of motherhood, is just the capacity to be for her children. And there's such a powerful thing about motherhood, to be passionately for your children, wanting them to succeed, wanting the best for them, wanting them to grow and develop and have the best possible experience of life. And it's out of that forness that comes the desire for withness, that a mother in such a powerful way can be present even in those moments I love, I love the capacity of my wife to, to be present in those moments. When I, I describe when, when your kind of kids are at the borderline of a rage quit moment, when they're practicing a skill and they're right on the edge and they're becoming difficult. And then what I see in my, in my wife is what I see that's just more broadly what motherhood is, the ca- capacity to be present in that moment, to be patient in that moment. And that flows from a simple desire in the heart of the mother to be for that child and who they're growing to become. Can I remind you this morning that the love of God in your life is a for you love, that God is fundamentally for who you are, for who you're becoming, for who He created you to be. And because God fundamentally is for you, God's desire is to be with you as well. You know, I love the the story of the, the birth of Jesus. And, and I want just for a moment this morning to take you to Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus. Now, so often, us Protestants in particular, we can glance over Mary and Joseph, and, and we can just look at that story and go, yeah, that's Jesus' mom and dad. It's funny, as you become a parent, all of a sudden, you just become someone's mum or dad. I was, at, I was at a birthday party last night, and there was just so many kids. They're like, oh, hey, Caleb's dad. And I was like, hey, Caleb's friend, what's going on? And, and all of a sudden, you just become someone's dad. And sometimes we glance over Mary and Joseph, and like, yeah, yeah, they're just Jesus's mom and dad. But the very conception of Jesus made some, meant some very pointed realities for both Mary as a mother and, and Joseph as a father. Now, as we, we know the story, uh, the Holy Spirit an angel of the Lord comes to Mary and says, you're going to be a mother, you're going to be pregnant, and the child's going to be of the Holy Spirit, and that child is going to be this, the Messiah, He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor. And amazingly, Mary responds incredibly positively to this news, and she praises God, she begins singing, she sings this great song of praise. But then, of course, what comes next for Mary is a difficult conversation. She's betrothed to be wed to Joseph, and now she's pregnant with a, through, through the result of a miracle, but nonetheless, she's pregnant. I, I often imagine what that conversation might have been like. So Joseph, you know how much you love me, and, and you know how much you love God. You, you love me, you love God. Um, I'm just going to rip the band-aid right off here. Um, now, I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin. But I'm also pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm a virgin. God's actually done a miracle in my life. And through me, the Messiah is going to come into the world. Joseph hears this. Mm. 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 I, I hear what you're saying. But that's not how pregnancy works. <laughs> I, I hear your story. That's not how this works. And Joseph's initial response is not to be on board with this whole idea. Let me take you real quick to Matthew chapter 1. Actually, maybe we'll do it on the screens. My iPad's still in lockdown mode. So check this out. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And I think we get that next verse straight up. Now, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So we can assume that Joseph's reaction to this story was that, Mary, ultimately, I don't believe you. You're pregnant and I'm out. I'm not gonna expose you to to shame and I'm not gonna make this as bad as I can, but I'm just out. Now, what's something that's something I find really fascinating about this whole picture is when you take a closer look at who Joseph actually is. You know, in Matthew chapter 1, it says that Joseph is righteous. And that word righteous was the word Sadiq. And Sadiq referred to who Joseph was as a Jewish man of faith. It meant that he was someone that was fervent in his relationship with God, fervent in what it meant to love God. And for a Jewish man before the death and resurrection of Jesus, that meant to faithfully follow Torah or their law, that they loved God by living out the Torah. And so Joseph was a Sadiq, a man who was respected for his passion and devotion to living his life under the law. Now, for Mary to be pregnant before she was married, the law prescribed some certain things. None of them were good. None of them were even close to good. So Joseph still has this heart of love for Mary where he says, I'm going to do everything I can to protect you from that, but I've got to distance myself from this whole thing. Because for Joseph to be with and for Mary in that moment, he had to let go of everything everything of himself. He had to let go of who he was as a Sadiq and become what they called an Amharetz, someone that completely despised the law, someone that didn't care about God's law, someone that wasn't passionate in their zeal for God. Joseph had to lay down everything of himself if he was going to choose to be with and for Mary and the child who he would later name Jesus. So Joseph needs a little bit of help. And I want to take you to the next scripture here. Joseph says, no. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angels of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. So Joseph chooses to be with his wife. He chooses to be with Mary in the covenant of marriage. And as he chooses to be with Mary in the covenant of marriage, he also chooses to be for her. In their culture, he was the provider. He was the protector. He is the one that would bring the the kind of life that perhaps Mary imagined and envisioned. Joseph chooses to be with and for after he receives this message from God that says, Mary's telling the truth. The Messiah is coming, and it's coming through you 2 You're going to give the child the name Jesus. And interestingly, in their culture, when the father named the son, if it was an adopted son, the new father would give the child the name. And as they gave the name, they became the legal father. So Joseph chooses to be with and for Mary and with and for Jesus. He chooses to be present And he chooses to advocate for. And it cost him just about everything. Here's what I love about this story. It reminds us that God's love for us is a with us love. That love is present. That God, again, is so for each of us here that his desire is to be present with us. You know, as we seek to model the same love of God in our lives... The question we need to begin to ask ourselves is what does it mean to live this kind of love on behalf of others? You know, just like Joseph, to be truly present with people is going to cost us something. It's not going to cost us the same things that it cost Joseph. But some of the things that come to my mind and my life, if I'm going to be truly present with people, whether it's my wife, my children, the people that I work with, or an individual that I spend two minutes with in a queue at a petrol station, if I'm going to be truly present with something, with someone, the number one thing it's always going to cost me is always simply time. And perhaps the purest expression of love for another person is time spent with them. Quantity of time, quality of time to fully engage and be present with where a person is at. It'll cost us our comfort often. It'll cost us our convenience. It'll cost us energy to consistently show up in the lives of people that we love, in the lives of people that we meet. But God's call to love and the Jesus Creed that we've touched on over the last few weeks, this idea of loving God and loving people and loving God by loving people, to be present in the lives of others is one of the most powerful things that we as people can do. When we show up in an engaged way in the life of another person, it communicates value in their life like nothing else. And so the call that we have to model God's own love in our life is to be present, simply present, engaged in the life of people that we live our lives with. But for Joseph, it was more than just a choice to be with. It was a choice to be for. Yeah, I've been wrestling a little bit with this idea over the last week, reflecting on this picture of God's love. But what does it truly mean to be for another person? What does it mean to, to be for someone? And the, the contrast I had in my mind that I found helpful for me personally is that there is a difference between being for a person and having expectations for a person. Now, sometimes that we think being for a person actually means having expectations for a person. But here's what I think can show up as we, we, we think about these two pathways. That when we love someone for who they are, it empowers their identity. Now when we love someone for what they do, which is expectations, when we love someone for their performance, we actually disempower who they are. When we love for who a person is, we cultivate a foundation in their lives that causes them to grow into the best version of themselves when we love based on what they can do or achieve, we create a broken foundation where everything they do flows from not a place of unconditional love and forness, but from a place of fear and insecurity. You know, I'm so grateful that God loves me and is for me, not based on how I behave, but based on who I am. Can I remind you this morning... That God's love for you, that God's forness for you, is simply based on who He created you to be. There are no expectations attached to it. You don't need to become a certain person. God is for you already. But then here's the picture, that when we truly understand the depth of the love of God in our life, and the trust that we can have in God's unconditional love, that God is for us, it actually creates something in my soul that helps me to be a better version of myself. You know, in our relationships with others, we can do the exact same thing. That when we are for an individual, we create an experience within their heart that encourages them to grow to be the best version of themselves. Let's be for people. Let's be for their growth. Let's be for them in their challenges. Let's be for them in their pain. And again, a mother... (laughs) with a young child struggling. It's a perfect expression of this. No matter the challenge, no matter the struggle, I am fundamentally for who you're becoming. Imagine if we brought that heart to every friendship that we had. You know what that would be? That would be the church carrying God's heart of love for others. Yeah, I want to pray for us this morning. And I invite the, the band to come and join us. We're going to sing one more song of worship. And this morning, I just want to invite you to rest in the love of God in your own life personally, to be reminded that God is unconditionally for you and God's desire is to be with you in growing ways. Can we stand together this morning? You know, if you need to be reminded today of that with you, for you love of God in your life, I want to invite you to receive this prayer. Or maybe you're here and like Joseph You want to grow in your capacity to be with and for others. For him, it was very specific to Jesus, who would become his son, and Mary, who would become his wife. You know, the reminder from this story is that in order for Joseph to love Jesus, he had to first let go of his framework of what it meant to love God. He had to let go of the the broken framework that he had, now renewed by the Messiah. To love Jesus meant updating what it meant to love God. Now, I want to pray for you today that there'd be a little bit of an update in our hearts and in our minds, that as we receive God's love unconditionally, we grow to become people that give God's love unconditionally. Let me pray. Jesus, I want to thank you for our time gathered here today. God, I want to thank you for the awesome work of Opportunity International and how they carry your love for people, that they're with, that they're there for. And God, I thank you that as a church, we can, we can be a part of that and partner with that. But God, I pray that your same heart of withness and forness would show up in our lives, in our relationships with our wives, with our husbands, with our children, with our colleagues at work, with our friends, with our family, with people that we have incidental moments of connection with throughout the day. God, help us to be present, help us to be full. help us to let go of expectations and just love as you loved us. We praise you, God. And Lord, as we worship this morning, I pray that your love would run deep in our hearts. Praise you, God. Let's worship church.